What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Joey, the the objective of every entrepreneur should be to build your business in a way that you can sell it. I agree with that. It's got to be the end game. By you, the way, you if, you don't, if you don't build it that way, it's not a business. No, it's a hobby. Exactly. And I feel like, and here's the thing, is that the end game should be, as we're following the cash flow quadrant, is that we're moving out of S quadrant to B quadrant model, which means that we have systems and processes that other people are doing, so we're not have to work in it. I totally agree with that. And I think today's episode, as we interview I guess who's going to share with us a way to maybe even make our business even more passive, Joey. Yeah, I, I love this idea. Tom DeFore shares with us how to franchise your business, how to take your active business and to start getting brand ambassadors all over the country for your business and to just get um, all the benefits that come with that. He gets into the royalties, into the market share, into boots on the ground, all the things like that are maybe potentially challenges for your current business. But I, the big thing, we didn't even get into this for us. I don't know if you caught this, but when we talk about the hierarchy of wealth on multiple podcasts, we've shared this, the first place people should invest after they've built their, their basis, right? The place where their cash resides, which we know is infinite banking. The next place they should invest in is where? It's where they control, which is your own business, right? You and your own business is the best place to invest. And why not take something you know so well and start selling pieces of that out there to where you can then create passive income back? Well, here's the thing. You may not want to franchise your business. Maybe you don't even think that that's possible because I don't know about for you. I don't know anybody has ever franchised their business. So it's it's not something that's just readily available to us. It's not like we have an example typically of someone in our sphere that has done it. But here's what I think that you will take away from this episode is that if you are thinking about your business in a way that you could franchise it, you would design it in such a way that would make it so passive that you would get extreme benefit out of it that when you do sell it whether it be in a franchise model like this or just to a third party they would be able to buy a process something that is running so smooth that doesn't require you and the beauty of that is is that you get to spend more time on vacations you get to spend more time doing the things that you want to while still potentially having an operating business because operating businesses are the best way to grow wealth as we know because they're the thing that, that can grow exponentially year over year as compared to potentially investing. So 
We want to share with you a, a new idea, something that we hate in almost 300 episodes we've not talked about, which is, can we take our own business and invest it? And I even took it one more step, Joey, as you know, I had to just get some free advice. I had to just start uh, letting Tom use us as a guinea pig. And we had him ask us questions on one of our four companies, just so that way it would hopefully help you understand what would it take for you to do this. So let's don't take any more time. Let's jump into this episode with Tom DeFore. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the show. Today's guest, Mr. Tom Dufour with Big Sky Franchise Team. He's going to teach you how to make your business more passive. Can't wait to have him on here. Tom, thanks for, for being here. Thank you. Really grateful to be here today. Tom, you know, that we, we say this all the time. There's 93% of the population work for entrepreneurs and 7% of the people are actually entrepreneurs. You're in high school sitting in class thinking through what you wanted to be. And I think it's because you had a great example by having a parent who had started a business. But talk to us a little bit about why you wanted to become an entrepreneur at that moment. Yeah, that, that's a great way to start here. Thank you for that. And I, my dad had started a business. He was in car sales. He had been in car sales, used car sales, and he eventually started literally kind of that uh, caricature, dirt gravel car lot, you know, kind of a place, uh, buy here, pay here. Um, you know, that was the kind of place he opened up. He was honest man, very honest man, worked very hard. Um, and, uh, just eventually decided he's going to start his own little thing. And that's what he was. He was served this local community, this tiny little town and uh, served, served the folks there. And I thought, boy, you know, here, here's a guy, he, he just kind of decided to go and do it. And I remember it was, it was some, you know, American history class or something thinking about um, uh, entrepreneurship. He was doing that and then learning about j just reflecting on the fact of the opportunity we have here in in America and the United States to just literally, if we get an idea, we could start a business today, tomorrow, immediately. And I thought, boy, then I feel like I have a duty and an obligation to try it, at least something, at least doing something. So what what was the steps then? So take us fast forward us from high school to now you're a big sky franchise team. You started this business. What what were the steps, the critical, let's say big rock steps that got you there? Yeah. So for me, the I, I when I went to college, I was a business management major and I was always a great student. And I knew that uh, I had this vision. I wanted to be in management consulting. And while I was in college, um, I realized that there that I wanted to own a consulting business at some point. I had a couple of faculty members or instructors. They may have been adjunct at the time but they were running kind of a little side or a consulting company and they were helping kind of teach on the side. I thought, wow, these guys were really cool. I like what they were doing. And so I, I decided I want to get into management consulting. I didn't even know what, no, I had no idea what that actually meant. Um, I had no clue. And so, um, 
my first job out of college just happened to be at a management consulting company that specialized in helping companies franchise. That just happened to be where I ended up. And so I fell in love with the franchising business because it kind of married, it, or not kind of, it did marry these great ideas of working with an entrepreneur. Um, so I was talking to guys and gals. It just reminded me of my dad, you know, so that was always fun uh, with that entrepreneurial energy and enthusiasm. And then you're helping franchise a successful business that then they can go and allow someone else to get into entrepreneurship and franchising. And, and I always describe franchising as kind of the, it, it's a confidence elixir for a budding entrepreneur, for that entrepreneur who's maybe not really ready to ever do it on their own. Franchise is a confidence, confidence elixir for them. And, um, and just fell in love with the whole business, how it works and um, helping people. When, when it works well, it's just this win-win in so many areas and avenues. And so uh, that that's where the entry point got started. And then the next big hurdle was I had an opportunity of, uh, in consulting, they always say, uh, if you're not getting job offers from your clients, you're probably not a very good consultant. And so I would get consulting or I'd get uh, job offers every once in a while from clients and had one that came through and it, it was a great opportunity. And so I took that to go work in the, um, of all things in facilities maintenance for commercial paving and roofing and, and was in charge of sales and marketing for uh, a, a growing, a regional business was growing. It's about 125 million in revenue or so. We grew it, added about 60 million to the top line in two years. And uh, great business, learned a lot while I was there, but I knew I would never own that company. And, um, and so I, I decided, well, maybe it's time now for me to start looking back to get into maybe starting my own business at this point. And at that point, I had an old colleague reach out to me and he said, hey, I'm looking for a partner. You want to you know, join up with me? And so I said, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> so that was the next big hurdle. Had a partner. We were partners for a few years. And um, a, a few years in, it just amicable separation, just had kind of different difference in vision and values. And that led to the starting of uh, Big Sky. So that's where we are. So maybe, uh, I don't know if that's the long version or the short version. We'll let your listeners uh, decide, but that that's how we got here. Well, I want to pull out of that some some nuggets. One, you gave us a first on the podcast. We've done almost 300 episodes and Confidence Elixir. That is definitely a new one to the Wealth Wild Wall Street tribe. So new for sure. That's it, new for sure. I will yeah. figure out a way to add that into my repertoire on our next podcast for sure. I love that. <laughs> but one of the things that I want to, I guess, want to ask, right? So the the concept of franchising a business, right? Like helping a budding entrepreneur who wants to either buy into a franchise, start uh, by an existing one as, or take an existing business and become a franchise. I think like for, for me, like I want to help our audience kind of de decide between the two, right? So the last we had uh, recently, uh, Kim Daly. I guess, uh, yeah, Kim Daly, a guest on our podcast, talk about buying an existing franchise as compared to taking an existing business and, and making one. So what is the, what makes a good business for that? Like what's a, what, what's a good franchise type business in your eyes? You see a, somebody, what makes a good one? 
Yeah, great question. And uh, when we start looking at the viability of franchising, should you franchise your business? How do you know if you're ready? We try to keep it really simple with three pieces or components that we look at. The first one is, do you have a, a profitable prototype? So do you have an operating business? Is it profitable? Is it working? Okay, that good, number one. Number two, do you have a customer base on a national basis? At minimum, we're looking for a regional because if you're going to franchise, you want it to have enough room to grow that it's worth your while to actually do it. Ideally, international, you never know um, where you might end up taking the business. And then the third piece is, can you teach someone how to do how to run your business? And if it's a specialty business, then we would assume your prospective candidate would have that specialty knowledge or skill coming into it. And you're teaching them how to run your business. So those are the three key elements. And they're, they're, more of those can, we can break some more of those down uh, for, for a technical answer. But for, from a high level, if, if it's a profitable prototype, number one, number two, you have an, a customer base on a national basis. And then number three, you can teach someone how to do it. So let me ask this, do those fall more consistently in one type of um, industry? For you or are they across the board or like what would you say we have a really broad cross section of industries uh it, most people when they think of franchising they think of food service that that's a classic hotel and lodging uh, fitness gyms uh, salons Th those are the categories a lot of people think about when they think of franchising but i, I have things as diverse as um clients that are franchising um home building, home construction uh, franchises, clients that are doing um, oil refinement, mobile oil refinement. I have uh, veterinarian clients, um, uh, weight loss clinics or, or uh, to uh, pet sitting franchises, you know, just to kind of give you a really broad cross section. And, and, and all of those are, are Folks, I, I mean, they're just they're top of mind because they've they've been top of mind in the last few weeks that I've either spoken with them or or interacted with them. So tell me about the train wreck because I, I didn't know in your years of doing this, you've tried to make a business a franchise and you saw it to be a complete disaster. I got to get our audience laughing a little bit through this process, and then secondly, I want to follow up on this because I feel like the wealth about Wall Street brand meets some of these model profitable depends on how much money the stallion spends it's it's definitely <laughs> greater than regional. we have international audience and can you teach them how to do it that's that's to be that's to be learned like we're gonna have somebody that's gonna have to help us with that so let's i, I, I want to get some free advice i want to talk about that but first like give me the train wreck tell me the example of the business that you guys tried to do it with and you don't have to use the name but give me the industry <laughs> give me something that we're doing it, well, the, the the I would say the most common train wreck for the clients that we work with in terms of franchising just not working is for the busy entrepreneur that commits the money to going through the process, but they don't commit the time. That is truly the biggest train wreck that I see. And, and the train wreck happens most when the owner commits just enough time that as their advisor, we think that they're going to be able to kind of get the project finished. 
and they commit just enough time that they think they've committed enough time to give it a real go. And they really haven't. It, it really comes down to that owner, um, that, that the, the founder or some key stakeholder in the business that's going to drive that process. Um, and it, it is, that's the, that's the most difficult part is getting the, the time. And it's not a lot of time, but just enough time so that there's attention being paid to it. So uh, okay, when so that doesn't, oh yeah, go ahead. So just not to cut you off, but how much time are we talking about? Is it a, is it a, a scale from like this one won't need as much, or is it kind of like all businesses need X amount of time to begin with? Most of our clients, when they go through the process, you hire a, a, a reputable consultant to help you through this process. They're going to do most of the heavy lifting for you, but you still need to have time involved. Uh, I tell our clients to budget one to two hours every week. Uh, the issue is not the one to two hours. It's that it's, us it's usually not a consistent one to two hours. It's maybe three or four weeks where there, there's no time needed. And then you have a couple weeks in a row where it requires you to review drafts or documents or get feedback or be available for phone calls. And that requires maybe four hours or six hours a week kind of a thing. Gotcha. Okay. Keep keep going on your train wreck story. I didn't mean to cut you off, but so the time <laughs> is an issue. Anything else that you've seen that just, just did not work? Yeah. The, the other big issue is once you get past that time and now you're, the, the client goes through your, now you're franchising your business. Say, all right, here we go. The, the, the train wreck that happens at some point for most new franchisors is most business owners, myself included, I do not rule myself out of this list. We love our business. We are in love with our business and we expect because we're in love with our business for that prospective buyer on the other side of the phone or Zoom or table from you to also be in love with your business. Now, they may like your business. They may be interested in your business, but they're not in love with your business. And so the train wreck occurs when that uh, prospective, when that new franchisor just thinks, oh, all I have to do is franchise my business and this thing turns into a money tree and it just keeps producing because who wouldn't want to buy this business? I mean, I love this thing. Doesn't everybody else? And so um, it, it, it's it's a uh, it, it's a common. I, I, I've seen that happen enough that it, it happens regularly enough where they they uh, lose sight of the or lose perspective, I guess, of of uh, recognizing that someone else who's never met you maybe found you from an internet ad. Uh, they're just exploring this. This is like maybe a lot of your audience who's the one the lady was on talking about buying a franchise they might just be inquiring for an investment they, they don't care if they love it or not they just do i like the industry do i think i can get a return do i do i think i, I maybe my brothers or my sister's going to run the franchise for me and it's right in their wheelhouse like so it, it's coming to grips with that russ i remember my dad specifically say to me joey you got to go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me. Well, I think, I mean, we, we as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and, and how we want something better for them. And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my house, 
I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode. No, I think that that's important. And I, I'm ready to get some free advice, Tom. You ready to give it? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. Always right, ready. So, so I, I come into this super, super interested in trying to learn. And as always, I'm willing to be the guinea pig. And Joey and I, we, we do this every single month by just showing um, all our cards of what we're doing. So I want to ask kind of from a potential perspective franchise, like for us, here's my initial question. Like does wealth without wall street and what we do is, you know, we, we have multiple parts of our business. We're an information company. We have a mastermind business. We have an insurance company and we have an investment company. Does, does any of those businesses have potential to be franchised? The short answer is yes to, uh, and the ones that stand out to me would be your mastermind. Um, depending on the investment and what you're investing in and how you want that, how that's structured, that could be considered. Um, and then on the insurance side, if, if you're for insurance distribution, if you're just looking for maybe sales agents, um, franchising for a sales agent model is very common to franchise sales territories in the franchise community where you're fulfilling maybe a back end. So um, I would see um, any of those working. On the information side, it, it depends on, on what you're looking to do there. I would say that's probably toward the bottom of the list in terms of how you want to produce that. But the others, um, definitely viable. Uh, for example, with your mastermind, uh, it's something where if you want other people leading mastermind groups, you would be able to uh, franchise a mastermind a mastermind group, someone else who you, and then you would train them. You would train that person how to facilitate, how to recruit members, how to manage it. And you're probably, you probably have systems, I would imagine on the back end for managing uh, subscriptions, membership, renewals, all of that kind of stuff that they would uh, either get their own subscription to underneath of yours or tap into what you're doing. And uh, and then there may be some requirement in terms of experience. Maybe they have to have gone through your program. Maybe they have to have had, uh, you know, uh, hit a certain level of wealth without Wall Street themselves personally to have credibility. So you may put that as a qualifier in order to do that. And it may be for your audience who's looking to say, well, boy, I've been following these guys for a while. I followed the program. I love what they're doing. I want to get involved. I want to be a part of this journey and spread this message to others to help facilitate, teach, learn, and do it in my community. And this, this would be something for you to do where you maybe want some local penetration where they could have some local groups that are actually meeting in, in, uh, maybe a, a local, uh, uh, you know, we work or Regis type office, you rent a space once a month and they get together uh, and then they're doing coaching. And so you set it up similar to some of these other mastermind groups, like these CEO mastermind groups and CEO forums and different things that get together. You'd structure, you know, just as I'm thinking off the yeah. top of my head here for you. Well, I know Joey has a question, but I, one of the yeah. things that you didn't add in your list probably would be a qualifier is what is their 
confidence elixir, you know, level. <laughs> he, he, he's such a quick study, uh, Tom. He yeah. has to put it, he has to in, in, include it immediately. So, yeah. Well, for, for, for your business in particular, uh, it, it's a professional service. And professional service uh, oftentimes has a slightly different angle on it. A lot of times you'll be working with someone that's uh, uh, mid-career. They've probably had some management position for a while. This is kind of a typical uh, uh, structure for a, uh, a franchisee is someone who's around uh, late 40s, early 50s. They've had a corporate job for a while and they're ready to just do something on their own and they're trying to figure it out. And, and usually they're looking for an interest. What, what are they interested in? And they're trying to find something. And so for, for you, for your audience, someone who's interested in personal financial management, uh, budgeting, wealth building, anything like that, this could give them a career to say, boy, I love doing this. I'm, I'm the go-to guy or gal in my, at my church, at my, uh, local, uh, you know, for, with all the local parents for them, where I'm coaching my kids teams or whatever they're doing. And this, this could be something that maybe they could start in, you know, this, you could pitch it as, hey, look, don't quit your day job yet. You can start this nights and weekends or kind of just start building a little portfolio of clients, um, to get this, to get this going. And, and, and the value add for you guys is you've got, uh, the the podcast. You've got lots of people following that are a part of this. You can grow the community on a local level and connect locally with people that the two of you just, you can't meet everyone. You can't be everywhere. But if you can get these little pins on the map all over the place, that that's kind of a, a thing in franchising, pins on the map, where are they going to go? Uh, more people wearing the shirts and your hats and carrying around your mugs and such. And um, building, uh, you know, starting to build this this whole community. So, all right. So your your selling is on. And hey, by the way, you know, you get everywhere with us with flattery. Love it. All right, now <laughs> put put on put on your asking hat though, because I know as every every salesperson, at the end of the day, we have to be able to meet the expectations, right? And sometimes there's just not not everybody's a good fit for us. Right. So I want you to like start questioning us as you would any potential business owner who's thinking about franchising. What are those questions that we need to be considering? And because I, I feel like the person listening right now is, is trying to decide for themselves if they have a business, if this is something that would be a good franchise. Like I want them to hear the questions that you would ask them maybe in an initial interview. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there, there are two key driving questions. The first is, how much is it going to cost for a franchisee or someone who, if they were to open this business, uh, is there an estimate about how much it would cost for them to get started, to start the business up and taking into consideration maybe some working capital, a marketing budget, um, uh, different things that they would need to get going? Do you have a, a ballpark on what, what that might cost? All right, so let's if we're let's just we're going to talk about the masterminding groups. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So from that perspective, I mean they they need probably a budget for an assistant, somebody who's going to help execute on all the follow through, right? So let's just say that's fifty, sixty thousand dollars, and marketing wise, would they not be piggybacking off the the mothership? 
to to market into their industry or would they be trying to do their own marketing in their own niche of the world? Well, the way franchising works is certainly they would be able to piggyback off of what you're doing and, and utilize that as an asset. However, as a franchisee, they're their, they are their own independent operator. And okay. so they're going to spend, they would need to be recruiting on their own. And maybe it's through existing members or part of your community. Maybe it's through networking on LinkedIn. Maybe it's going to the local uh, BNI chapter. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know uh, the best course right now and how that, how that would work. Yes. Yeah, so this, this is hard for me in this because Joey and I would say, you know, and everything that we do, podcasting has been the way that we've grown an audience is how we've grown experience. But yet that's why we have a international audience instead of a local audience. Right. So Joey, how would you answer that for somebody who's just going to try to grow a local business well, so I guess I would just need to be clear on this would be a franchise of the Passive Income Mastermind. So they have their own like regional location of that this would be the, the meetups and all that kind of thing. Because right now. Yeah. So for, for instance, let me throw this out there because I think this is good for us to be talking through is so our mastermind currently we have people all over the U.S. that are members in it. But, you know, one of the things that most people want from a mastermind is more connection, right? And it, there's lots of groups, uh, entrepreneurs, organization, EO, um, some of these other masterminds that get together and they have regional or local chapters, right? So that they're, because they want to connect. Sometimes people just want to connect personally more. So Joey, to your, to answer your question, it's some it's, it would be a local chapter because people want to connect locally. Maybe they maybe they are part of the national mastermind, but they want to have a local presence so that they could get together in person maybe once a month. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I guess in that case, um, you're you're asking the question about marketing dollars, like how much would they need mm -hmm. to spend? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Um, I, I would think, you know, it just depends on what outlets they would choose, but I would think it's probably, you know, 25,000 a year that they would need to at least be considering for marketing. Oh, Russ is saying way more than that. Okay. Maybe 50. Let's just say 50. That, that would be my thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, and, and I, I, Starting a business like this, I, my ballpark usually for for a model similar to yours, you're right in that window you know, somewhere un, around or under a hundred thousand dollars in terms of total startup that they would need, and it's, they're not going to invest that all immediately. It's going to be uh, payment of a franchise fee, and then spending that over time as they're launching the business, the first six, twelve months, and kind of getting things going as cash flow starts coming in. Um, so then the second question is, okay, so we got a, a, an idea about how much they'd be looking to invest. And then the second piece is about how much money can they make doing this? Because we want to make sure if a franchisee is going to do this, are we selling, most franchises tend to be, uh, a, would provide a full-time business opportunity or full-time uh, income for them. Other businesses, maybe this could be one, is a can be part-time. It's just kind of their uh, kind of starting of a side hustle or kind of that uh, just crossing the initial threshold, one foot in, one foot out, as they're starting to build and grow their mastermind. Well, so, I mean, 
it obviously depends on the 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 fee. Let's just say they're paying twenty thousand dollars. You know, every member's paying twenty thousand dollars a year. There's probably you know five thousand dollars per member of hard costs that that are existing. If you depend on scale, right? I mean, if you had two members, it's thirty five thousand of hard costs. You know, so it always goes to scale, right? So I, I I think you know depending on how big the chapter could be, if you had a fifty member mastermind paying twenty thousand dollars a year. I think there's probably a three to five hundred thousand um, dollar profit margin in there. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean that that's extremely healthy and a great opportunity for someone to get into. Um, and so then then the next thing is it, you know j- just from a high level, so it, it's very affordable to get into. Uh, it has a nice, a really strong income potential for someone to build up. Um, the, the next piece then comes down to for the two of you as the owners, do you really want to do this? You know, is, is this something that would be of interest in being a franchisor? Cause it is a new business that you're getting into. You're in the business of, you have three jobs as a franchisor. You need to number one, sell franchises. Number two, you need to train them. And then number three, provide that ongoing support, ongoing, it could be field support, marketing support, um, and so on. All right. So let, let's walk through that. So number one, you said we need to sell franchises. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it always sucks at sales. I'm just going to tell you. So <laughs> what, like, it, it, I mean, do you have a process that Joey can follow as a franchise company first? A- absolutely. Yeah. We, we have a comprehensive franchise sales training workshop. We teach our clients how to sell, how to go through that process, comprehensive uh, training book that comes with that. Um, it, it, and, and franchise sales, while we may call it sales, it's it's really just establishing a relationship because this is not something that happens overnight. Most franchise sales, it's a three to six month process by the time from start to finish. Yeah. And by the way, is that not where a franchise consultant would come into play as a way to offload a, a lot of the heavy lifting as it relates to sell or the sales side of this? It is. A franchise consultant would come in and help support that. Uh, be be mindful that franchise consultants or and franchise brokers that are helping in that sales process, for new franchisors, they're, they're less inclined to want to push a new franchise brand just because it's new. They're a commission-only, uh, uh, essentially, commission-only uh, broker, similar to a real estate agent. If you don't buy a house, that real estate agent doesn't get paid. If you don't buy, a, if that person doesn't buy a franchise, that franchise broker doesn't get paid. So they're thinking about, okay, well, I need to present some brands that I think are sellable, that are going to that the people I'm going to turn them over to are going to take care of this prospect and and nurture them and so on. So new brands have a harder time breaking in with the the franchise consultant community just for the sake that they're new. It's unknown yet what's going to happen. I would think for for you all, your best course of action would be just the communities you've already established. I, I we we do we recommend franchise we break franchise lead generation into three different categories, three buckets, let's call it three buckets. Bucket one is referrals, essentially no cost, low cost, friends, family, customers, vendors, suppliers, greater sphere of influence. Bucket two is paid ads and bucket three are these franchise consultants and franchise brokers. 
And so the like most businesses, the same is true in franchising, the referrals, a referral has the highest closing rate, um, it, it, as you would expect. A referral is just it, it's uh, it's it's a it's a great opportunity. So um, tapping into your existing community of folks that might be looking for that next venture, that next opportunity, they're at their financial freedom uh, place or close to it, and you're you're part of the journey to get there. All right. So the last question I have for you, I know we're going long and and then um, I, I can't take all the free advice. So if you're interested in trying to learn more about this, you're going to have to reach out to Tom. I can't do all the heavy lifting for you. OK, guys. But here, the, the last question I have is what's in it for me? Right. Like I want to know what's in it for me as a franchise or like if I go through all this, I, I, I make this model, start selling the franchise. Um, I, I, I build this whole process out with you. What could I expect to receive as a franchisor? Yeah, so so there are three primary drivers for a franchisor why why you would want to do it. Number one is other people's money. You're using other people's money to grow and open territories, branches, locations, whatever that might be. Number two is management. You don't have to manage it. You your franchisee becomes that operator. And whether they're an owner operator or not, they're still responsible for making sure there's a GM or someone running the business. And then number three, I I call it multiply. Um, Our taglines multiply your success and franchising allows you to grow more rapidly versus opening one or two on your own here or there. It just provides you that opportunity for for multiplication. And let's talk about the money, right? Yeah. Show me the money. Yeah. So so the two primary revenue sources for you as a franchise will be your upfront franchise fee, which I describe as your operating cash flow. And most businesses that would be structured like this mastermind group, franchise fees today are going to be around $50,000 upfront to buy into your franchise. And so that upfront franchise fee goes to cover your operating expenses, marketing expenses, sales expenses to get the franchise sold and then get the franchisee trained and operating for that first six to 12 months. Think of that like your cash flow. Then the real wealth builder and wealth generator is through the royalty, which is a percentage of sales. So for, for retail type businesses, typically that, think of it, high volume, lower margin businesses tend to be a, a, tend to have a royalty which ranges between about four to 7% of top line. Okay, and that's every week or every month, depending on how that's structured, that they're paying that in. Service businesses where it may be lower volume, but higher margin, we typically see that range between 7% as high up to 25%, but generally somewhere between seven and about 12% of top line sales. And most service businesses are professional services that would be collected monthly on how that comes in. And so uh, the royalties, on a one-off franchise, it's not that great, but it's nice, a- extra cash coming in. Uh, you really start to see it after you get to two, three, four, five. You really start to see that add up. And you don't need a lot of staff to run a franchise company early on. You you can grow organically for most brands, most clients we work with, they can grow organically with their current staff that they have um, until they're ready to hire someone. And then the franchise company will cash flow that. All right. So the, the last question I have, and I know we have to go because, but it's just hit my brain and you're probably thinking it too, is 
what if they're not performing and providing the the level of service and product that we have, right? Because that's the hard part, right? As business owners is to give up your baby. You've created it. You love on it. How, what happens when the person is not delivering? Yeah, great question. Uh, That's part of the reason why the franchise agreement is written the way it is. And the franchise manual helps document processes and brand standards. But ultimately, if they're underperforming, if they're damaging it, an underperformer is one thing where maybe they're just not hitting the revenue you would like for them to be doing. They're just not under doing that. If, if performance is important, you can put performance clauses in the contract that say you must hit a certain threshold of revenue or pay a minimum royalty. Um, you can do one or both. And that helps mitigate that to, to push someone to either perform or step away from the brand. And then if they're if they're damaging your brand, if they're not ful- performing up to standard, and this is the difference, one of the big differences between franchising and other business growth vehicles is franchising allows you to enforce those standards of operation for your brand, as well as quality standards. That's why when you go into, when people think of going into, for example, a McDonald's or a fill in the blank franchise, one location the next to the next, the difference is very little uh, versus if you go into a license, a business opportunity or some other version, the, the difference from one location to another is a very wide spectrum versus much more narrow in franchising. So you retain the ability to enforce those standards. And if those standards aren't improved upon after giving opportunities to fix it or cure it, then it is grounds for termination out of the system. They can be removed out of the system. Man, I'll tell you what, Tom, I'm going to have to step in because if I don't, Russ is going to drain you of all this amazing knowledge and information. I I, I so appreciate you um, walking us through the example of our own business because what business owner right now, you're listening, you've been riding on the treadmill or, or running on the treadmill, riding down the street. Eh, that's like me. I don't really run on the treadmill, so I don't even know what to call it. He said um, riding on it. That's his feet. That's it with it running between his legs, and he's just sitting on the edge of it. Yeah, good job. To this saying. podcast, exactly. Um, you own a business. You wonder, am I a good fit for this, um, Tom? How does somebody get in touch with you, and what would in and you walk them through that process? Yeah, thank you. It, the best way is our website is bigskyfranchiseteam.com. I know it's a long one or bigskyfranchise.com. And uh, just submit a request to schedule an appointment with us. We offer free, no obligation consultation. We'll go through a process similar to this and help assess if franchising would be a, a, a viable fit or a good fit for you or not. Provide a, a proposal if it makes sense and walk you through the process. There's, as we tell all of our, our clients or prospective clients, there's no cost for anything until you say, let's do business and we figure out a way to do it. Everything prior to that, happy to give advice, opinions, suggestions to help make to help you make a decision from a more informed perspective if franchising would be a good fit for your company. Uh, well, t- team, this is uh, something to pay attention to. This is a way to take your current best asset right? The thing that you can control the most, your business, the the knowledge that you took to build this business, and then to create a passive way to increase your passive income. Like this is, this is something that we had to talk about because 
maybe you've heard us talk about all these other outlets and you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really into that or that because you're so focused on your current business. This is the way to get to that passive income and the financial freedom that we've been talking about. Um, guys, if you found value in today's podcast, please rate, review, um, share it with others, other people, other business owners that may be on the same path that you are. And uh, thanks as always for listening. And thank you, Tom, for being a part of this today. Thank you very much. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.